Well, this week we're going to be kind of doing a little one-off sermon, uh, setting us up for that new series that we're going to be going through. And I think Pastor Joby has mentioned it a couple of times to you guys. We're going to be jumping into the book of Acts next week, which should be an amazing journey and will probably only take us about four to five years to go through, but we're going to get through it. Five or six. Um, There's so much that we're going to be looking at in the book of Acts. I'm excited for it. And I mean, the church is starting. The church is being founded. It's, it's being established. The church is, is growing. The good news is being preached. People are being healed and souls are being saved. And their faith is growing and the gospel is going out. This message of hope is spreading. Believers are starting to be persecuted for their faith. Those not for the gospel are trying to quiet it down. But instead, miracle conversions are happening. Persecutors of the church are actually being saved and are now going out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The first missionary trips are happening. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going out. Kind of sounds like what Mr. Erdos just said this morning in our greeting. This is kind of what our mission and vision are as a church. And this is what we hope for and what we want to see our church go out and do. And this is what we pray for, right? We pray for action. And we're going to be seeing account after account of this occurring in the book of Acts. What I love about the book of Acts, just a couple of things. It's a church. It's a fantastic reminder of what we are to be about. It is seeing God move and work through everyday common men and women for his will to be done. But this early church plant wasn't just a walk in the park, right? They weren't just showing up for maybe an hour or so with a latte to hear some rad worship music and a quick sermon and then leave and forget everything they just heard. Like they were staking their lives on what they were proclaiming to believe. The church was being heavily persecuted. They went through some really, really heavy and trying times. And we're going to see this. In times where they had to completely rely on the Lord to give them the words, the strength, and the faith to keep pressing on. They were hard-pressed, but they kept going. And I know a lot of you guys have, have been in a similar season. Maybe not with the persecution of your faith, but with hard, heavy trials. And so you're being hard-pressed. You might feel like you're being pushed so hard that you're falling. And when we're in those seasons of life... It seems like we're just constantly asking, why? Lord, why is this happening? I'm sure the early church could have been asking the same question. But even as they faced the things that they faced, God was still doing something. God was establishing his church and the purpose for it. He was building his church. And as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see who he uses to build his church. But check it out. Spoiler look, spoiler alert, look around. He uses folks like us. He uses his church. He uses his bride, the church community. Now, I would know it could totally be possible, but I believe it would be extremely difficult and challenging to live a life for Christ as individuals, like just by yourself. And I believe the church, the body of Christ, is actually a gift from God. He knew what the early church was going to be going through, and he also knew that they needed one another to keep pressing in, to encourage one another, but also to enjoy this gift called fellowship. 
Our Heavenly Father knows, knows what we have gone through. He knows what we are going to be going through. Personally, and also as a church. He knows what we're going to be walking through in the future. And like most churches, we've gone through a lot the last couple of years. We've been pushed, pressed, stretched beyond our limit. But he remains faithful, giving us what we need for today. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon for the church to have to deal with such things. And we see it now, and we're going to see it as we go through the book of Acts. We live in a broken world. And we will face opposition when preaching and declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. But thankfully, we don't have to do this alone. God has graced us with this thing called the church. A group of souls who were at one time in our lives walking in darkness away from God. We now gather not by our good works or by what we have done, but by his grace and his mercy to worship the living God and to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to which some of us can seem like a daunting task. Me? Be used by God? Yep. <laughs> but why? It's a good question, so we're going to take a look at it today. And today we're going to be looking at one of my favorite scriptures that I go to a lot. It's one from the book of Hebrews, and I, like I said, I read it quite often just to be encouraged, but also to remind myself that it's the Lord who does the work, not me. That the living God is going to equip me with what I need to do, his will. He's going to give me everything I need to keep pressing in to do his will. He's going to continue to give, me, give everything to this church to keep us going for his glory. He will continue to strengthen us and build us in our faith as he establishes his church. Because it's going to get tough. It has been tough. It'll continue to be tough. We're going to grow weary, right? We're going to get tired. We're going to be hurting. There's, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be loss. And we need one another. And we need to embrace this gift of the church. There's going to be seasons of life where someone needs to hold your arms up to get you through what you're going through. But there's also going to be times when you're just exhausted and worn out, not feeling like you're gifted or equipped, but then you have to hold up the arms of others. And we as a church need to have the faith to believe that the Lord will give us everything. We need to get through what we are going through and that God will work in us and through us for his will. It is God who equips his church for his will and for his glory. Like I said, we're going to be starting off in Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 21, and we're going to kind of be ping-ponging back to 1 Corinthians as well, chapters 1 and 2. Um, but before we jump into the text this morning, I would like to open us up just in some prayer, praying specifically for us to hear the word, to believe his promises, to hear his truths, for us to be encouraged, built up in our faith, so that we can know and trust the promises of God. Let's pray, church. Father, it's always humbling to come into your presence, Lord. You have drawn us here to this building. Holy Spirit, meet us here today, Lord. Father, help us realize and recognize the God that we are coming before, a holy God who is worthy of all praise, glory, and honor, Lord. Father, you've called us here. You have drawn us. You've opened our eyes. And I just pray as we come into your presence, as we look at your word today, Lord, for you to do a work in our hearts, God for us to hear your word, to see your truths, to believe your promises, and for these things to be stored up in our hearts, God. Strengthen us today. Encourage us today. Father, I pray that you speak through me, 
Filter my words so that your words may be heard and all eyes may be fixed upon your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are here to worship you and you alone. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this church and the blessing it is just to be able to look at your word, your living word. So lead us now in and through your truth. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Hebrews 13. Be up on the screen behind me or open up that Bible of yours, verses 20 and 21. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, first and foremost, I want us to remember the God that we serve. He is the God of peace. We serve the God of peace. He is peace. We serve the the creator of the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything, everything into existence. And out of love, he sent his son to die in our place and to pay for our sin. That's the God that we serve. And because his son and the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross on our behalf, because of that work, we are now reconciled back to God. And as followers of a Christ, we now know the God of peace. And because we know the God of peace, we now have this peace because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We have this peace because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, conquering the power of sin and death. And he, Jesus, is our great shepherd. We are his sheep. And the shepherd gave up his life for his sheep. See that in John 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, we can't obtain this peace on our own. I know I've tried, and I failed. No matter what we do, we can't. Like, I can try really, really hard, but I can't. And I can't reconcile myself back to God through my effort or through my good works. It is only through Christ and through his sacrifice. And by God raising Jesus from the dead, it proves that he was satisfied with his sacrifice. If Jesus hadn't risen, and if the grave had held him, then that would have meant that there was no sacrifice. But we know this is not what happened. Acts 2, verse 24 said, God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So God raised Jesus from the dead, and we have now been reconciled with the God of peace. We have been bought by the blood of Christ and adopted into his family. And it doesn't just stop there. Like we don't just get saved and that's it. Like we become instantly holy and he's done with us. I wish, (laughs) but that's not typically how it works. You see, our former self is now dying. The Holy Spirit is pressing our sinfulness out. He's changing us. He's cleansing us from the inside out. He's sanctifying us. Sanctification, right? The process of being made holy. He's doing this. He's doing the work. He's saving souls and he's changing lives. And not only is he saving and sanctifying us, but he's also equipping us. He's equipping us. He's equipping you guys. He's equipping me. It says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. He's equipping us. The church, 
to do his will. It's crazy. He takes sinners who are running from him. He saves them and he uses them. He equips what was broken. He repairs what was broken. He restores. And then even when we mess up, when we break, because we're not perfect, he continues to equip us and use us. It's him doing the work, right? Not us. He's not looking for the holiest folks out there to be used. He's not. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Oddly, this scripture gives me a ton of confidence. I remember about eight years ago or so, Pastor Joby shared this scripture with me. We were in Zambia. There was a group of us, a couple of guys, and we were sitting, it was late when it was like one in the morning, I think, and we were sitting around kind of the dining table, just talking, praying, encouraging one another. So we were just kind of down. I was discouraged. So I remember we were talking and praying together, and I was just struggling, kind of second guessing, like, why am I here in Zambia? Lord, I don't feel worthy or like I have it all together. I don't feel equipped. And actually, that was somewhat true. Because I bring nothing to the table. Like there's nothing special about me. My mom might disagree, but there's nothing special about me. I did nothing in my own strength to be in Zambia. That was nowhere on my radar at all. But I struggled with that. But I felt like I had to be like at a level, certain level of spirituality to be doing what I was doing. And in that moment, I felt like I was falling short. You see, from the world's perspective, like why would he be using me to serve in Zambia? or serve in our kids' ministry, or serve in our youth ministry, or be an elder, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would he be using me? Thankfully, here's the thing. God is not looking for a fancy resume. He's looking for a willing soul. And it's he who makes the soul willing. Not many of us were wise. We weren't powerful. I don't believe many of us were of noble birth. Maybe some of you, but not me. I tell my kids I still own Barnes & Noble because it's my last name, but they don't believe me. According to the worldly standards, we are considered foolish, weak, low, and despised. This is how the world views us, right? And some of you might not like to hear that, though. Don't, don't call me weak, dude. Don't call me foolish. I remember, I don't know if it was the same trip, but when we were in Zambia, Joby actually did a sermon on this text. And when he was saying these things, the pastor who was interpreting him looked at him, paused at Joby, and said, do you really want me to say this right now? Do you really want me to say foolish and weak to the congregation? And I'll never forget Joby's face. He looked at me and said, yes, tell him. You see, when you look at the early church, when you look at who Jesus chose to be his disciples, we see this. The selected 12 who Jesus did ministry with for three years, who were they? Now, we don't know the background of all of them, all their careers, but we knew, do know that some of them were fishermen, one was a tax collector, and one actually turned out to be a thief who would eventually betray 
Jesus. He was common men. He called them and they dropped everything like they just came to him. They followed. They were fishing right in the middle of their job. They dropped their nets and they just followed him. You see that Matthew 4.18, right? While they're walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Matthew was sitting at his tax booth. Matthew 9.9, it says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at his tax booth. And he said to them, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Jesus interrupted their lives right where they were. He didn't tell them to get to like level 10 of spirituality and then come and follow and be used by him. No, he called them right from where they were, just like he does with us. And he did, that, did this not just with the disciples, but with so many others. Right? If you just stop and think about it, like who did Jesus go after? Who did Jesus hang with? He hung with tax collectors, sinners, the sick, the needy, the outcasts, the prostitutes. Everyday common men and women, these folks became followers of Christ. And this is who God is using to build his church. If you just stop and think about it, think about your life, maybe some of your friends here at church, it actually sounds really similar. Like when you just look around this room, and I think a lot of us can actually relate with the disciples and who Christ was calling. It's an interesting model though, right? Like using the weak and the foolish things of the world, So in the world's eyes, it does look and sound foolish. But here's the thing. When God uses the foolish and the weak and the common, that's me, when he does, only he then can get the glory. So if you feel like you're not qualified to serve or you're not able to be used for the kingdom, you're a perfect candidate. (laughs) You are. It's backwards, right? But this is how God builds his church. He uses fishermen, tax collectors, now even a landscape architect. It's crazy. Man, embrace this section of Scripture. It should just bring freedom into your life. Because he's not waiting for you to clean yourself up or add a certain number of years of service to your resume. He's not looking for how awesome you can make yourself look. He just wants obedience. He just wants you to believe. Like, let this fuel you to live a life that is willing to be used for the kingdom. Trusting that he will equip you. He just says, come and believe. He just wants you to follow him. You got zero qualifications? Perfect. He'll take you. According to the world's perspective, it doesn't make sense, and it probably sounds like the worst business plan ever. But guys, we don't serve the world. We serve God Almighty. And it's like the song that we sung before. This is terrible. I'm doing this two sermons in a row. Worship team's definitely never going to use me because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Not what we've done, but in the Lord. Because the Lord took us, who were all blinded by our own sin, and he opened our eyes to his way by his grace, cleansing us from our sin and adopting us into his family, and giving us new desires and using us for his purpose and for his glory. And because of how the Lord works and saves, no sinner, no saved sinner can boast that he's achieved this gift of salvation by effort or by what he has done. I'm not here proclaiming the gospel because of what I've done. I'm not. 
I'm here because the Lord has brought me here. It's the Lord who has prepared these things for me. It's the Lord who has prepared these things for you guys. We see that in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's the Lord doing the work. He's prepared all these good works for us to do beforehand. To him be the glory. He uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He uses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He does. Kiddos, I want you to hear me for a second. Whether you're 18 years old or you're three years old or five years old, I want you to just give me your ear for a second. Because I want really, really, really want you to believe this. You don't have to be a certain age for God to use you. This message is not just for adults, but it's for you. And we as a church even saw this last week at our Easter service. Hearing you guys speak up and share gospel truths, what a blessing that was for this church. (laughs) And so many other times you guys have done it. I love when you guys share. You guys serve a purpose and it does not matter how old you are. And Paul reminded Timothy in this, right? 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth. Don't let anyone look down on you. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. You guys are also called. God will equip you. You can share the gospel of Jesus Christ just like I can. Probably better. (laughs) You set an example of how you live your life for and by the gospel. The way you talk with your friends, the way you encourage others, the way you pursue purity in relationships, he can and will use you. But remember, guys, he's not asking you to fix yourself up or to be perfect or to memorize 100 Bible verses before he uses you. He's going to use you right where, he, right where you are today. Guys, set an example to other believers, to your friends, to your teachers at school, on your sports teams, or to your coworkers. Kids, just serve. Listen, you guys serve just as an important um, role in this church as I do. You're just as important in this church as anyone on the worship team. You're just as important as anyone doing sound or set up. We are a body, the body of Christ, and we all need one another. We all serve different purposes. We are all different members who make up this body. So we all need to be used. You guys all serve a purpose here. Just ask him to use him. You ask him to be used for his glory, and he will. Like, keep praying for it. Ask him to do this. Because you guys are the next generation of this church. And you might get nervous to share the gospel, and that's okay, because I do too. <laughs> so did Paul. He writes in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I love Paul's words here. 
He straight tells him, I did not come here with lofty speech or big, fancy words. I didn't come here as a powerful speaker. I came to here to preach a simple message. And because of the simplicity of this message, the world's going to think it's foolish. 1 Corinthians 1.18, he wrote, For the word of the cross is folly, it's foolish to those perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul came in weakness and in fear, with much trembling to declare one thing, Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. And Paul got it right. Because if you don't know and believe the foundational truth that Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sin, and then rose from the grave, conquering the power of sin and death, until you believe that, until you believe the gospel, until you proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, there's nothing more to say. When I first got saved, I was an excited disciple. I was excited for the gospel, and I wanted everyone to know about it. However, sometimes when conversations with non-believers would turn to secondary issues, like with things going on in the world, these conversations would turn sour. they get argumentative. They would go nowhere. And I get frustrated because people wouldn't see or agree with my perspective, which was totally wrong. But what I forgot was that they didn't believe the gospel. The way they viewed things was not through a gospel lens, but through a worldly perspective, just like I used to think and believe. So my attempt to win people over with secondary issues made no sense. And as individuals, as a church, we have to remember that the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are the foundation of our faith. This is what people need to know. And until they believe that, the cross will remain folly to them. Paul traveled and preached this. And Paul had visited the Corinthians after he was beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. He'd also faced persecution in other places before this too. So he came to them, as he wrote in his letter, weak. Maybe physically, from what he had been going through with all the persecution. But he also came with fear and shaking because of the seriousness of what God was calling him to do. You see, Paul had nothing physically in himself to manipulate the people's responses from what he was sharing with them. He couldn't change their minds or their hearts. And it's the same with me. It's the same with you guys, right? We don't have control. We cast seed, we water, and we pray for growth and harvest. It's he who's doing the quipping. And this is why he's building his church. Because you guys are being sent out to preach the gospel. He's called us to go out and preach the gospel. He's called you to go out and love and live and serve as Christ did, to be an imitator of Christ. But we need God's help to do his will. The strength, the faith. Like we can't do this on our own, we can't. And that is why we pray and ask God to do his will through us. Going back to Hebrews, it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The only way we please God is through his son, Jesus Christ. His word says that he will equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ. Kiddos, you guys play any sports? Yeah. What do you, yeah? What do you guys play? Baseball, great sport. Base sport. What do you guys need for baseball? Bat helmet glove. Bat helmet glove. And hat. And hat. 
And what? Uniform. This is great. And you need the ball. Glasses. <laughs> Glasses. This is great. So, hey, so we have all this stuff. So glad we remember the ball. That would have been an interesting game without the ball. We have all this stuff, guys. So what do we call all this stuff? All of it is a whole. Huh? Surprise? I like it. Oh, supplies. Yes, it is supplies. Starts with an E. E. Equipment. Equipment. That's right. Equipment. Equipment. (laughs) And you guys trust that your mom or dad or someone or your coach, someone is going to give you all the right gear or equipment to do what you need to do, right? You need those things to go out and play the game. You got to be equipped for it, right? And so this is what we're talking about with God equipping us, right? God is equipping us. He's going to give us everything we need to go out and do his will. So God is actively working in us. He's doing something that is pleasing in his sight. He's equipping us to do his will. Our God, the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is equipping you guys. He's giving you everything you need to do his will. He's equipping his church to do his will. But what's his will? To obey him. To be faithful to scripture. To worship in and through all that you do to thank him, to praise him, to worship him. And he will equip us for his will, which is pleasing in his sight. We need to believe that he will equip us. We need to believe in his word and in his promises. Because if we don't believe him, then I don't believe it's, po- I don't believe it's possible to actually please him. And she's in Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith, without faith, without believing, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must also believe that he exists And he rewards those who seek him. We must believe that he is the true God. We must believe that the God of Scripture is the one and only real and true God who exists. We must have faith in the cross and the resurrection. We must have faith and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we do, he rewards those who seek him. And he doesn't just reward us with lollipops and trophies, right? No, he rewards his followers with forgiveness, He rewards them with the gift of eternal life. We must seek him and believe. Now listen, when life is good, it can be easy to seek after him. It can be easy to show up on Sunday mornings and worship wholeheartedly and have perfect attendance in your community group and maybe be meeting folks one-on-one like you're just rolling, you're plugged in, you're doing it. But then life happens. And we're hit with trials and hardships that have come and will continue to come because we live in a broken world filled with sin, sin, sickness, and death. And when life happens and and trials arise, it can be tough to keep pressing in. And honestly, it can be very challenging. Coming to church on a Sunday morning when you're walking through a dark season of life might be the last thing you want to do. But even when things are heavy and we feel weighed down, we're still called to seek and to believe and to worship our Lord. And this can be really tough, like really tough, but we're still called to do it. And this is why we need one another. This is why we need the church. This is why we surround ourselves with other believers who are going to be praying for us, who are going to be reminding us of God's promises, who are going to be encouraging us to keep pressing in, and who are going to be lifting our arms when we are too weak to worship our God. 
We are called to worship God and to seek him. And so if you are struggling today, if you're just weighed down, walking through a dark season of life, just encourage you, offer your sorrow to God in worship. Give it to him. Don't try and fix it on your own. Just give it to him. Give it to Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Psalm 31, 24 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Ask the Lord to give you the faith to believe and to worship. Ask him to lift your eyes above the, above the fog of trial and to catch a glimpse of him and his promises. Ask him to give you the faith that he will equip you with whatever you need to get through, whatever you're going through. He will because he says so. We are called to have faith in all circumstances. We are called to worship in all circumstances. This is what we hope for as a church. And I'm so thankful to see, say that I've seen this in this church and I continue to see it. We need to keep pressing in individually and as a church. We have to cling to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Like we need one another. The early church needed one another. And this church needs one another. We can't run this race alone. We need to be encouragers to keep pressing in, pointing one another to Christ, to his word and his truth, reminding each other of the promises of God. And to remember that it is he who is equipping us to do his will and what's pleasing in his sight. God has graciously given us this church to live life together, to live out the gospel together, and to seek our heavenly father and to worship him together. And God is worthy of our worship. And we worship him because he's God. First Chronicles 16, 25 through 27 says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. As followers of Christ, we have hope. You guys have hope. We've been entrusted with a message of hope. We've been entrusted with a message of reconciliation. And as we come here to worship, then we want to go out and share this. We want to go out and share this good news of Jesus Christ. It's like what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus tells us to go do this. He commands us to because folks need to hear this. Because there are many hurting people out there who do not have or know the hope that we have. There are folks out there who are walking in darkness and sin, who are rejecting God, who need to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. And we as a church then need to trust that God is going to equip us as we go out in faith to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Someone did that for you. Someone did that for me. Someone stepped out in faith to share the gospel with us. Because at one time, we were all dead in our sins, following the course of the world, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were walking in darkness. And someone else was faithful to the calling to go speak that good news into our lives. That was us, right? We were walking in darkness, but not anymore. 
He has made us alive together with Christ, right? Our eyes have been opened to his saving grace. If you're here, and if you're not a follower of Christ, or maybe kind of half following him, doing like the casual Christianity thing, man, ask the Lord to just open your eyes to his mercy and his mercy and his saving grace. Ask him to give you the desire to turn from your sin, to repent and to turn towards him. Ask him to show you that you really do have a need for a savior and to give you the faith to proclaim Christ as Lord. Ask him to set your soul on fire to follow him, to run from the world, to run towards Jesus. Christian, ask him to give you a heart that breaks for the lost and for the needy. Ask the Lord for opportunities to actually go out and share the gospel and to live, love, and serve as Christ did. Ask him to give you the faith to live a life poured out for the kingdom of God. Don't hold back because he will be faithful. He was with the early church and he has been with ours. Let me close with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that truth. Lord, we can come into your presence knowing wholeheartedly, Father, that you are faithful. Because your word says so, and your word is truth. Father, I pray this morning as we were able to hear your word, Lord, for us to now go out and to share this word. Father, for us not to trust in our own strength, but to trust that your Holy Spirit will equip us to do your will. I pray for our hearts to be encouraged, Lord. I pray for our hearts to break for the lost, for the needy, Lord. I pray that we recognize today that you've been so gracious in sharing this good news with us, Father, that we can't hold it in that we must go out and share it. Let us look to your son and how he went out, how he did life, how he loved, how he served. Lord, help us do the same, Father. Lord, light our souls on fire for you. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity. It's in your son's Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.